this is Resurrecting Our Freedom, Dr. Fred, Dr. DeSiena. And hey, let's get this straight. Why are we doing this? Well, let's read the preamble of the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, that's the three of us. Welcome, David. Thank in order you. to form a more perfect union. Are we in a perfect union? Are we experiencing union right now? I'm just curious. Uh, to establish justice and to ensure domestic tranquility. I think we pretty much, that got thrown out the window and stomped in the trash can along. I don't even think there is a trash can. I think there was a bonfire on domestic tranquility. Provide for common defense, promote general welfare. What's our unemployment right now, general? What's the suicide rate? Yeah, 30%, I think, 30%. 30%, and secure the blessings of liberty. All liberty has been thrown out the window. So basically, why do we have this? And especially honored to have you here is because all liberties have been thrown out the window. It doesn't even feel like America anymore. And welcome, David Martin. I saw you on a video where I, you just blew me away with your knowledge of the constitutional rights and liberties. And uh, I, I, you know, I had, we had to have you on here because the message that you deliver and uh, the vehicle that we're gonna talk about of how one person coming together with everybody across the country can actually make a difference. So if you think you're one, you're making a mistake, right? Well, so that's, and, and, and e pluribus unum, right? Out of many one, right? It is the all of us that make the one. So it is, it is not a single vigilante campaign. This is not about making uh, the world better because a dogmatic person gets up with a megaphone and makes things loud. This is about the people recognizing who they are, claiming their rights, and actually standing up for them. So, you know, listen, as, as, as I have said for now the last several weeks, when, when you see a conspiracy laid out, and this goes, you know, back, if we want to go back to the September 2019 World Health Organization document, which lays out the requirement for all member states of the United Nations and the World Health Organization, all member states, to by September of 2020 have completed a live scenario test on pandemic, pandemic pre preparation specifically, you ready for this? September 2019, specifically for a respiratory disease, right? So the simulation that was called for that every member state agreed to do was a simulation on a respiratory disease pathogen and the disease simulation had to be completed by September 20th. Right. You can't pick it up, right? It, it, is, it is in black and white. If you look at the president's executive order in May of 2019, you see that the executive order said we had to do a preparedness exercise. These are written documents that predate all of the anything. The reason why this is important is because if you look at the organization that controlled the agency of detecting a novel virus, if you look at the agency that was specifically tasked with classifying what constituted a simulation, which by the way, the committee 
in the September 2019 World, 2019 World Health Organization simulation. The committee includes, I know you're going to be shocked, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh, my God. <laughs> and are you ready for this? The, the principal infectious disease expert from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Of course. Now, none of these things can be even made up. This is, this is unfortunately the tragedy. This is playing out before our eyes. And in, in the, the structure of how this comes together, we have the organization that owns coronavirus, remember. And this is something that most of, of Americans and the world don't understand. When the Center for Disease Control filed a patent in 2003 on the coronavirus capability of transmitting into humans, and when they received that patent, and despite the Supreme Court in 2013 saying that you cannot patent a, a, a virus or a product of nature, and you can't institute a, a control over a product of nature with detection and, and other things, in 2014, the Center for Disease Control violated the law, violated the Supreme Court's rule, and re-upped their patent so that by 2018, when all of this strategy was laid out, there was no way any United States interest other than the practicing cabal coordinated by the CDC and the NIH, there was no way anyone could independently verify a coronavirus, its outbreak, its prevalence, anything about it. It was all controlled by a patent issued to the Center for Disease Control in 2003. Here's the problem. If you control the means of a scenario, you control the existence of a scenario, and then you control the detection of the scenario that you are in fact promulgating on the public, newsflash, everything's gonna look like your scenario. Exactly. And let's connect the last dot because the entities that were directly participating in this scenario and your clientele and your members are gonna be most interested in this. Are you ready for this? Holistic healthcare providers. No, they're pharmaceutical companies who are gonna shove chemistry at the scenario. They're gonna shove vaccines at the scenario because they have patents on those too. So isn't it amazing? You can create the problem, you can verify the problem's existence exclusively, no one else can do it. And by the way, when the World Health Organization tried to get the German labs test to be used in the US, you know what the CDC said? No, stay away, we're the ones to control the scenario. In, in February and in March, we had the whole thing play out. And, and the problem here is, we, the people, have been played. And worse than that, we have turned alliances, that e pluribus unum, that us all in it together, we've turned it into the believers, the non-believers. We've, we've turned it into the, it's un-American to question authority. It's un-American to point to people's own scientific precedent and go, hey, you're breaking your own precedent. It's un-American to question. Right. Well, and, you know, uh, this is cognitive dissonance, right? When, they, when they've done such a great job at creating so much fear that to hear what you're saying, people are like, it can't be. 
you know, like right. it's un-American. And it's also, I can't accept it because they've been wired with a belief system. Well, but here's, here's the thing. One of the commitments I made, and you guys know this, but one of the commitments I made is every word that comes out of my mouth has what I had to become accustomed to in the work I've done in white collar crime and the work I've done in financial fraud investigations. There's a thing in the FBI called chain of custody, which means you have to have gotten the information legally. You can't bust into servers. You can't hack into things. You know, you have to have the information that you're relying on through legal means. But more importantly, somebody else has to be able to replicate your steps, right? So, so it's not a, hey, I found it. It was only available for two, two minutes and then it disappeared. Everything I'm saying is documented to the place where independent verification can be made. I do not say a thing that is not actually 100% based in documented fact. And here's the tiny problem. I don't believe any of it. You know, I read documents where allegedly sane individuals say that we should conduct a simulation on a pandemic that strikes the globe. And in my moral brain, I go, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that we should instill fear into a general population because somebody with a PhD in epidemiology says that that's a great idea? There's a lot of smart people who have really stupid ideas. And guess what? Instilling fear in populations, I don't care who you are, is not just a stupid idea. Under the Patriot Act, Section 802 of the Patriot Act, it's an illegal idea. You cannot institute a behavior or an act that is a crime that instills coercion of a population or manipulation or influence a government. Or if you do, you're committing an act of domestic terrorism as defined by the Patriot Act, Section 802. And the fact is, that's what's happened. So even the credentialed people, and let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they thought it was a good idea. It's a horrible idea because it's illegal. That'd be like saying it would be a great idea to, to go into a theater, yell fire, and watch how many people trip because you guys need more, you know, more back aches and, and more leg pain to go to your chiropractic clinic. That, it sounds like a good idea because it's good for business. It's a horrible idea. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, and not only that, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, as you're talking, I'm getting 8 million things flowing through my mind. So they did that. And when you say it's criminal act, what is the consequence of being not only accused and investigated, but if they are investigated, what's, what's the uh, consequence, the criminal consequence of this? Well, listen, so, so let's go through a couple of the crimes. When you collude across state lines, and this goes back to 1920s. This is the good old fashioned how you brought the mob down, right? If you collude across state lines, that is a felony violation of what's called the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act. These are two antitrust acts. And if you set up an organization, and, and by the way, we're not going to get into the ethics of the fact that the public taxpayer dollars were the things that got misappropriated, but let's just start with the actors. You know, Interstate actors, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease, Anthony Fauci's organization, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, 
we have by definition now an interstate problem. The University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, which got favorable funding to pr pr produce and to test chimeric coronaviruses to figure out how to make coronaviruses more virulent, right? We got three states already. And, and then when, when it got a little dodgy in 2013, 2014, when, when the, the US government said, we're not sure that this is actually a good idea, we think that it might be unethical to make super pathogens, they, they violated the other part of the Sherman Act and they brought an international entity in, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they brought that organization in to participate in this collusion. So, and by the way, I'm not hypothecating. These are all facts. This, this set of facts is a set of facts. So, so you have interstate and international collaboration between parties who had an intent to do something that at a minimum was deemed to be questionable ethics. And it was clearly a violation of the law with respect to the fact that they were restraining trade by using an illegal patent to keep out of the common researcher's hand the ability to independently verify a single thing that they were saying. Now, go back to 2003 and read what the CDC said about getting this patent, and here's the largesse that they were trying to do. What they were trying to do by getting the illegal patent in 2003 was to make sure nobody commercially benefited. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, like the $580 million that went to universities and like the $545 million that went to Gilead Sciences, like nobody commercially benefited. Like, boom, what a crock of shit. You cannot look at their actual behavior and not see that within their own statement, they're lying. The only people that got the benefit were the people that were willing to play their game. Set up the sequence, advise on the strategy, and are you ready for this? Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, the guy who was just doing his academic research, you ready for this? He sits on the coronavirus study group of the International Committee on the Taxonomy of Viruses for the World Health Organization, and I know this is gonna come as a shock, but Ralph Barrick broke his own three-year naming protocol when it came to MERS, and two-year naming protocol in other diseases, and in the space of less than four weeks, was able to confirm that this is a novel coronavirus and come up with its name COVID-19. And that took four weeks instead of the three years it took the same group to come up with the MERS designation. So, oh, but hold on a second. You're, you're gonna be shocked to hear this. Are you ready for this? He has patents on the therapies for coronavirus treatment. Whoa, but on the bottom of the document where he said this was unique and novel and the first time we've ever seen it, that same document that unfortunately failed to reference the fact that he knew about this particular strain of class B coronaviruses in 2016 when he was working in Wuhan, but let's forget the facts for a moment. Let's just stick with the current events. This same guy at the bottom of the page when it said, do any of the authors have a declaration of competing financial interest? He swore that he didn't. Now, I don't know which version of which one of these problems you want to actually hold on to, but unfortunately, if you are in fact a criminal, the likelihood is 
there will be several antisocial behaviors in which you engage, like lying to the public, misappropriating public funds, violating antitrust laws, you know, just to name a few. Yeah. So, so the whole game has been set up and is predicated on a simulation. Remember, as of today, we still haven't hit the 2017-2018 influenza pneumonia death rate. As of today. So with all of the hand-wringing, with all of the creative exercises on how we're not really diagnosing, but we say we're kind of diagnosing what we think might be not the problem, but probably might be the problem. No matter how creative we get with our diagnoses, we still can't match nature in 2017, 2018 influenza season when we had more deaths, more pneumonia, more anything else. And mysteriously, that lost opportunity led people to say, let's not let another great opportunity go to waste. Ergo, 2019-2020. They just right. came out with a study on Medscape, uh, because of your point, actually talking about or speaking to the idea that ignore those facts that you just mentioned, that there are actually more influenza deaths in the 2017-18 than there are in this COVID-19. They just came out with that, I believe it was yesterday. Yeah. For us to ignore that very fact that you just yeah. oh yeah and 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 listen that's you know the, the governors of New York and most recently New Mexico and Washington and California in the last 48 hours all said that the reopening of states was going to be science based okay yeah now i i let's just make sure that we state for the record I think that most peer-reviewed science is dubious at best. And I think that because I have been a research scientist at the University of Virginia, and I've done research around the world, and it turns out that I have seen very good research not get published because it goes against consensus. So I'm not stating that there is some sort of veracity to peer-reviewed science. That said, no governor no public health officer is authorized to wing it. They're not authorized to just go, I think we should wear face masks, or I think we should social distance. They are required under the law to actually have medical evidence supporting their thing. And by the way, medical evidence is not conjecture. Medical evidence is you have to point to something that says, that the reason I'm engaging in this activity is because it has been established using proper scientific protocols. Not one governor, not one public health officer has had a science-based argument for a single intervention. And 100% of their behavior has been 100% based on a discredited model from the Imperial College of London, which when people asked to see the code, to actually see whether they could replicate the findings that were reported by Neil Ferguson, had a oops moment, the code was missing and contaminated, right? So even the lie that started the whole scandal is a lie that unfortunately none of us can verify because the dog ate Neil's homework. There is no ability 
to get any fact. And so science has become reading the tea leaves of where, you know, the Surgeon General can one day go, healthy population shouldn't wear a mask. Then the CDC goes, healthy population shouldn't wear a mask. And then as though out of nowhere, science changed. And I realized just recently that it changed because of a lunar cycle. We were coming close to a supermoon and because there was a supermoon and because there was a gravitational shift in the freaking water between their ears, they had a tidal shift. And as a result of that, I made the mistake of thinking that science actually meant peer reviewed. And I didn't realize what it meant was the emotions resulting from a lunar conjunction with a particular deep space object that, that, that changed. And, and, and shame on me, I should have actually really consulted the entrails and the casting bones and, and, and the tides. I, I didn't do that. I was actually reading. Um, and that was the bad, bad on me because the world changed and I was too busy researching to, to actually know that by so a rooster foot and the chicken blood on the plate by the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally missed that one. Like I totally did, and and you know, and I wasn't part of whatever the ceremony was with the Wiccan dance and the whatever. I, I just wasn't there. So that's my bad. Yeah. So, and now this is my personal interest. So, so now that there, there's no scientific basis, and that is in violation of the Patriot Act. Then correct. Yeah. So, is there are there criminal consequences for that? Yeah. So, so the the Sherman Act and Clayton Act violations are felony, right? So these are these are federal statutes. They're felony violations. If involving a corporation, the penalty can be up to a hundred million dollars. If to an individual, I think it's a million to ten million, somewhere in that range. Um, but these are felony violations of the antitrust laws. When you add on things that include racketeering, when you add on a number of these other components, there can be other damages assessed. So, so at a minimum, we've got felony antitrust. And then on top of the felony antitrust, the, the, um, the Patriot Act has numerous criminal re, uh, recourses with respect to domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism is criminal. It, it is that those are felony violations. Those are those are jailable offenses. They have civil and criminal damage awards. Um, and so both domestic terrorism and antitrust are both criminal, they're both felony, and they have significant financial penalties associated with them. So I, one of the things that when I saw your video too, that you had mentioned that there is a letter that was created that you had an attorney draw up because now people are going to watch this and, and they accept that and like, okay, now we need to do something. And that's the way I felt, which is why I called you. You, you were gracious enough to send me a copy of that letter. I'm sure there's thousands of listeners on here that are going to want to get that letter. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the steps that we need to take? Yeah, so what I did was on April, I think it's the 27th, um, on YouTube, it's, it shows up as April 28th. But on April 27th, I recorded a Facebook Live uh, event. And on the YouTube channel, 
in the show more button. So you got to scroll down a little bit. You see a thing that says show more the entire um, set of information, including the letter that I drafted for the Commonwealth of Virginia, which was just because I live in Virginia. So I drafted a letter, which was a template that people can take off of that YouTube site. Um, you had copies of it. All, all you have to do is, you know, you have to cut and paste the sections which are relevant to your state. So as I just said to a friend of mine who's been reaching out to a number of people in Oregon, um, you can do one of two things. If you, if you want to bore yourself and read the executive orders that actually say where governors say they have authority, you can do that. If not, you can just cut those references out. But the facts that are laid out in the letter are the facts that actually say that the basis for the declaration of this was fraudulent based on an antitrust violation, that this is an act of domestic terror, and those informations are all laid out and every, everybody can put together essentially their state appropriate version of that letter and send it in. What I'm doing right now, just to help people along, is I'm putting together reference that I'm gonna make available on Monday, which is every state, every governor's executive order, and with the exception of two states, which actually happened to issue their executive orders on March the 15th, the last two states to issue executive orders, did it on March the 15th. And the question that remains unanswered right now is how the Department of Justice is going to treat the domestic terrorism provision of the Patriot Act, because the Patriot Act officially was not continued in its entirety after March the 15th. So all but 48 of the 50 states are, are well inside the act of domestic terrorism. So that that's easy. Um, and just let me tell you so that you know, because I have it right here, um, the, uh, the two states that actually didn't get their declaration done um, were Oklahoma and, hold on a second, Oklahoma and Maine. Oklahoma and Maine are the two states um, that were uh, issuing their declaration on the 15th. Everybody else issued before the 15th. So the, the whole argument around the domestic terrorism piece of this, by the way, any governor who issued an order that said, and I'm gonna give you a really precise thing. If a governor said coronavirus causes COVID-19, or COVID-19 is the disease caused by coronavirus. Either one of those statements, and by the way, every, every governor made that statement. So either way they say it is falsified by the evidence that they already have. Most people, okay, and if you look at the recent Reuters report out of April, 96% of individuals who were tested in incarcerated environments, listen to what I just said. These are not people who are on cruise ships. These are not people who are flying back and forth to Wuhan. These were people in prison. 96% of the people testing positive for coronavirus had no symptoms whatsoever. For those of you who have not taken a statistics class, 0.05, which is a 5% incidence, 
is considered random error, which means that in incarcerated populations who had no chance to be in and out of Wuhan, who had no chance to be on cruise ships, 96% of the people who were tested in those environments, testing positive for coronavirus, did not have COVID-19, which means that the governor's statement, the very foundation of the declaration of the state of emergency in every single of 50 states was based on a falsifiable statement. And in the law, you cannot declare a national or a state emergency for a suspicion of a hunch. You, you can't. Right. So th there is no governor in this country who has legally established the basis for their de declaration of emergency and the federal government under the Department of Health and Human Services has failed to establish the exact same thing. Coronavirus, as tested, does not cause COVID-19. Doesn't happen. And COVID-19, the atypical pneumonia, the fevers, the malaysia, the, the hypoxia, the stuff that actually is happening in the atypical pneumonia season this year is not caused by coronavirus. It actually may coexist, but it's not causal. And an association is not causation. So no evidence whatsoever can be provided by any governor to verify that they had a standing in law to declare the state of emergency. And as a result, every derivative order of that governor or their public health designee, every derivative order is illegal. Every one of them. So let's translate what you just said for the general public. And I'm sure the general public's pretty smart. And they, well, then what causes COVID-19? So in other words, COVID-19 yeah. is the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but re read what COVID-19 is. COVID-19 is not a disease. COVID-19 is a name of a series of clinical symptoms. Those clinical symptoms include fever. Have you ever had fever? Lucky you, you have COVID-19. Have you ever had malgia, the, the muscle pain in your legs? Lucky you, you have COVID-19. Have you ever had pneumonia? Have you ever had shortness of breath? Have you ever, I don't know, had an abnormal stool on Tuesdays under a full moon? Lucky you, you had COVID-19. The, the point is very simple. If you read what the clinical symptoms are under the ICD-9 of what covid COVID-19 is, it's a set of clinical symptom presentations. There is nothing in that list that is not common every year to the pneumonia and influenza outbreaks we have every single winter. Nothing. So in other words, there is no pandemic. No. There's not only no pandemic. There's not only no pandemic. It's worse than that. The public has been denied access to healthcare for actual real conditions, real, you know, well visits, real elective procedures, real wellness and, and, and holistic support. The public has been denied access to health, not preserve, there's no health preservation here at all. They've been denied access to healthcare 
and they've been denied access to healthcare to create the illusion required to support the simulation, which is the branded terror campaign called COVID-19. There is no, and, and by the way, please understand, this is not a, a belief system or dogmatic system. Look at the actual data. And even at the peak, the two weeks, April 11th and April 18th, at the peak of the CDC's reporting period, if you look at the rolling average of weeks for any month since January 1st, we have had more pneumonia deaths than we have had COVID deaths, which means that something else is killing more people this year than coronavirus-associated distinctions. So even when you give them their own benefit of the doubt, which trust me, when we're talking about criminal co-conspirators, I'm not prone to give them the benefit of the doubt. But even when you do, they still can't lie their way into the numbers to justify what they're doing. Even when they're trying to lie their way into the numbers. It's amazing. Like if I was going to make up a fraud, I'd at least be better at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, well, go ahead. Okay, so this is just yesterday. A Colorado man, did you hear about this? Uh, who died of alcohol poisoning had his death classified as due to the coronavirus. Yeah. That was just yesterday in the newsfeed. Yeah. Well, and well that, that, listen, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Get, give, give them all the points for trying, right? You, you make up a story, you desperately, desperately want the story to work. And when you can't get a, by the way, when you can't get a test, because you controlled the patents illegally, so nobody could make a test, but let's not talk about that. When you control the test, the test comes back showing that what you're measuring isn't creating a thing. Then you have to change the diagnosis and you have to say COVID is anything that we might think it is. And then even with all those, you still have this nasty thing called old age, comorbidities, not surprisingly in this case, lung disorders, respiratory, environmental reactive airway disorders, kidney disease, liver problems, things that are in large part based on either an, an unhealthy lifestyle or based on environmental exposure to all sorts of pathogens. When all of those things are not sufficient to create the illusion that you need and you even change the diagnosis, and then you still don't get the numbers you need, you have to go back and make shit up. And that's what's happened, right? This, this seriously, you know, it feels like I can't believe I'm even having to say this. But this is a pathetic, badly run racket. This is not, like, this isn't high class even. I've said to a number of people, I would like to sometime be surprised by evil, like where I'd go, Damn, that was an effort. That was smart. This isn't man. even an effort. This is just pure, full-on stupidity. You can't get around the fact that no time has CDC been able to gin up the numbers that they need to create a pandemic. We're, we're still as as desperate as they've tried. They haven't been able to do it. And this is their this is their ball on their field, and they can't kick it into their own goal. Like, boom. 
But what they've done is they got the fans all excited about the possibility. So what they've done is great marketing, but they can't, but they're not playing the game. But the science. You know, that's the first time in the history of marketing where the hype didn't match the product, right? right. Yeah. Oops. Right. Well, so, you know, part of uh, obviously, you know, we're so appreciative that you're getting this message out. I mean, I've learned a ton already and we want to get those, those letters out. So, um, just to let you know, we're going to put that letter with some instructions that's attached to this podcast. So if you're listening to this, then then give this, you do it, and give it to 10 or 100 would probably be better. Everybody you know, put it on social media because it's just so obvious that uh, we're losing America right now. Yeah. So, well, and, and, and listen, I, I'm a, I'm a big, there's gotta be somewhere in here that there's this light. Cause I, you know, I met, I met in Iran, I met the head of the Zoroastrian faith, a very interesting guy. And, and I didn't know a lot about Zoroastrianism. So I was kind of like, you know, I, I was more than happy to just kind of sit and riff with this guy. He's cool. He looked like Ricardo Montalban dressed in white, beautiful dude, like amazing, beautiful human being. And and as we were going through our conversation, I had this really funny moment with him because I said to him, like, I need, to help, I need you to help me out. Because, like, as I understand the Zoroastrian cosmology, like, your whole deal is the lights go out and it's over. Like, that's the end. You know, they don't have a heaven. They don't have a whatever. It, it's a you go along and then at some point it all fizzles out. That's it. Right? And I said, it feels to me like that's kind of a, a difficult religion to get behind. Like, why, why, would you, why would you want to pour your life into something where the giant hope at the end is the lights go out? Yeah, and he looked at me, he looked at me and he goes, you know, we're not that different. And I said, well, yeah, because I'm, I'm one of these guys who always is like, I'm going to kick it today to make tomorrow better. And then I'm going to do it tomorrow. And tom the next tomorrow is going to be better. Like, that's my vibe. So, so that's where I'm at. And, and so I don't get... Like, how would you wake up if you know that eh, the asteroid's going to hit today? So, now nah, whatever. Yeah. And he gave me the response that I want to give every one of your listeners. I love this. Because he said to me, he goes, the thing about our religion is the light doesn't lose on our watch. Nice. Isn't that brilliant? Right. Like, isn't that brilliant? Like, what a great statement. The light doesn't lose on our watch. That's right. So this is the encouragement at this, at this crazy juncture in human history. Right? We have a moment right now to remember the mountaintop just over there. Seriously, the mountaintop right next to my house, which is Monticello. We have a moment right now to remember what it was like to sit there in 1778, 1779, write all kinds of really cool things about what it meant to be America, right? I can look out of my breakfast table and see Thomas Jefferson still sitting on a hill going, dudes, light's not out yet. It's not out, right? And that's what we need to be doing right now. We need to realize that no governor, no public health officer, no thug hiding behind riot gear has the right to strip you of being an American. Nobody has that right. And it is time that we all engage our lives as though we are who we are. We are the people. And united, we stand to form a more perfect union. That's what this is about. And so it's, it's total hopeful. 
It's total let's get our butts off the line and really do what we can do because this is our moment. This is our defining moment in our generation to stand up for what is in fact our inalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say any last words, but I think that sounds, I mean, I think those, those are great words. Uh, anything you wanna add? Yes, uh, this is fascinating. I've learned a lot and I thought, I've, I feel like I nerd out on this like every day and you taught me a bunch of stuff today. So, so, so I get the nerd hat now. <laughs> I was just gonna say- I still have the dunce cap, but that's all yeah. That's just um, being a rebel though. <laughs> I feel like these things are so fluid, if at all possible, if it's okay with you, I would love to connect with you again. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so much going on and you have your finger on the pulse and uh, you're so enlightened, which I, I have a question on next time we meet. But if you can meet with us again, I think it would be really a great thing for a lot of people. Hey, listen, let's do two things. Number one, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm all about it. But, but let's make sure we, we cast the net wide, right? Because let's make sure if you have people, and particularly people who listen to this going, I don't know, man, I'd love to ask the guy a question because he said something five minutes ago. I'm not sure I follow. Like, I'm happy to sit down and unpack this, right? The cause of our liberty is not to be taken lightly. And if it means we have to sit and explain it a little bit, that's cool. If there's five people, if there's 50 people, there's 500 people that we need to get together. I'm all about it. And, and, and so I'm, I'm totally committed to this because this is our moment to be out of our many one. This is, this is our moment. And it's time that we stand together. I just happen to have the, the good fortune of having spent 30 years with an experience of, you know, structuring finance for countries around the world and, and getting to know how things work. And I've got some great databases that I can access that very few people can access. So I have some advantages, but all I have is those advantages. And I just happen to have, uh, you know, that perspective. But I benefit. I benefit from every question that people ask. Hey, what did you mean by that? What does this do? Like, what about this? I get better. I get smarter. We all get better. We all get smarter. So absolutely, this is about building a community. This is about removing from our discourse the fact that there is an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who happens to have a passion and happens to have some great perspectives. But there's tons of other great people with great perspectives. We need to build those coalitions that say that we, the people, not Dave Martin, the smart guy or whatever. That's not what we're about. We're about making sure that we build a community. So I'm all about it. Name the place, name the time. We're going to make it happen. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And we would love to have a relationship with you. We'd like to collab collaborate. I mean, we can take your information. I mean, you have a great following too. So, hey, we just bring our followings together. That's exactly and, right. Uh, have the right vehicle, you know, not just to watch podcasts and get cool information, but to actually put the rubber to the road and make yep. a difference. Because this is a pattern that's been going on for decades, as we yep. all know. And yep. it's time that this pattern breaks and ends. And in my opinion, uh, these leaders that are breaking constitutional rights need to be indicted. Yeah, for the consequences that they're putting on people. Yeah, listen, and if there's any constitutional lawyer who has even a shred of patriotism left. You know, we're working to build coalitions of people who are going to actually take this fight all the way. Um, so, 
anybody out there that wants to actually sign up for the cause of liberty, we're all about it. Cool. Well, thank you so thank much you. for taking your time. Uh, you know, we know, you know, that, that you've take, took this moment to uh, share with our audience and we're very gracious and I look forward to a continued relationship with you. You got it. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resurrecting Our Freedom. If you also believe in upholding our constitutional freedoms, please like, subscribe, and follow us.